You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And hi, everybody. It's good to have you here on Listen Up. It is Grant Napier, and we talk NFL now that we have the first round of the playoffs in the books. And last night, uh, the Rams did what they had to do against a pathetic, and I do mean pathetic-looking team in the Arizona Cardinals. Do you recall, seriously, the last time a quarterback looked as bad as Kyler Murray did last night? I mean, it's embarrassing. You know, I did a rant on this today. You know, you can make an argument, DeAndre Hopkins, the most viable player in the league. Seriously. I mean, they were 10-2 and two with him, and without Hopkins, the offense and the uh, quarterback, Kyler Murray, they look like they've never been on the field before. You know, the Rams look good. Give them a lot of credit. But as good as they looked is how bad Arizona was. I mean, that was embarrassing. So the playoffs are set. On Saturday, you got Cincinnati at Tennessee at uh, 1.30 Pacific. Niners at Green Bay at 5.15 Pacific. Then on Sunday, it's the Rams at Tampa at noon Pacific, and then at 3.30, it is Buffalo at Kansas City. So there you have it. You have uh, the playoffs are set. We're down to four teams in each conference, and, of course, uh, the championship games uh, the following Sunday. But, boy, if you're a fan of the Arizona Cardinals, that's about as bad as it gets. That was absolutely as bad as it gets. Of course, you know, if you are a fan of the NFL, you know, it's uh, great that they uh, put the slogans such as inspire change and it takes all of us. And it seems like with each passing day, uh, there's more and more disturbing news. You know, the NFL needs to get rid of their slogans. Uh, They really do. I mean, it's embarrassing for the league. Seriously, inspire change. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, Today or yesterday, rather. Actually, I take that back. What is today? Yeah, yesterday. Cleveland Browns defensive tackle Malik McDowell was arrested in Florida and charges of aggravated battery on a law enforcement officer, resisting arrest with violence and public exposure. Okay. Uh, That was from an online record from the Broward Sheriff's Office. All right. According to the arrest report, McDonald beat a deputy in a violent attack that left the officer dazed and fearing a permanent injury to his right eye. Okay. So that's what happened with one individual of the National Football League. But it didn't end there because, you know, we are inspiring change in the NFL. Jacksonville Jaguars linebacker uh, Laurenti McRae, he was arrested in Central Florida early Sunday morning. 
He was uh, in a high-speed pursuit with police, all right? Police attempted to pull him over, according to the records. Uh, McRae was uh, arrested and booked into jail just before 8 a.m. Sunday. He posted a $5,000 bond. Uh, He was released. He was charged with fleeing, eluding police with disregard of safety to personal property, a second-degree felony. He was also issued a citation for speeding, according to the booking report. According to the police department, a patrol officer observed a white Dodge Ram pickup truck traveling at 88 miles per hour in a 50-mile-per-hour zone just before 1 a.m. on Sunday. The officer tried to initiate a traffic stop, but the driver used an uh, expletive hand gesture using their middle finger. The uh, officer was then joined by a second officer. They pursued the vehicle at speeds up to 100 miles per hour before calling off the chase because the vehicle was being driven recklessly and swerving across three lanes of traffic. Inspired change, baby. Let's get some more slogans on the uh, NFL helmets and on the field. Yep, it takes all of us. It takes all of us. Inspire change. Only the NFL. Only the NFL. Freaking unbelievable. Seriously. Just absolutely embarrassing for the league. Something else that's embarrassing for the league, and I've talked about this a lot. I talked about it yesterday, and that is Dak Prescott. And I think I've shared with you, and I did a whole podcast on this today. If you did not get a chance to check it out, uh, do so. Because I talk about Dak and I talk about the problems with sports officials uh, in this country. And it's sickening. It really is. And what Dak Prescott did on Sunday after the game, there is no place at all in sports for that. Period. It's bad. It's really bad. Uh, You know, he's getting paid $40 million. You know what he had on Sunday? A $40 million catastrophe. That's what it's wrong. Awful. Really awful. You know? Really terrible. And there's been a lot of stories written on this, uh, and rightfully so. And it's just a shame. You know, Dak should have handed the uh, football to the umpire instead of to his center, okay? And, you know, Prescott and the coach McCarthy were blaming the officials. How about looking in the freaking mirror and calling one of the worst plays in the history of football? And then when he was told that the fans weren't throwing debris and everything at the players, they were throwing it at the refs, he then said, credit to them then. Credit to them. It's embarrassing. By the way, the National Football League has come out and said the officials got it right, and they did. I think we knew that right after the game. But uh, terrible. You know, McCarthy said it was the right decision to run the ball. We shouldn't have any problem getting the ball spiked. Well, you did. You did have a problem. Terrible. It's awful. You know, I mean, Prescott could have gone down earlier, could have preserved one or two seconds on the clock. You know, they probably don't score anyway on the next play, but you just don't know. But just awful for Dak Prescott 
to, you know, come down like that on the officials. Terrible. I'm still waiting for an apology. I haven't seen it yet unless I missed it. Terrible. All right. If you want to get in on the program, all you need to do is hit your hand icon, raise your hand. Uh, we'll put you up on stage, and then you'll be able to join me right here on Listen App. All right, let's get to Jeff. Jeff, how are you today? Good. How are you, Grant? Good. Hey, I, I had a question. Um, with Murray's play last night, the way he played, you know, the scrambling quarterback, do you think it's still advantageous to have that pocket passer like Brady and, um, you know, like, you know, like the pocket passer is a more advantage than the guy well, who just runs around? Other than, I mean, if you're a Mahomes or you're an Allen uh, level, yeah, but a guy that's not up that elite, what do you think? Well, look at all the teams that are in the playoffs this weekend. I think it answers your question. I mean, Allen is a guy that can run. They do the run-pass option, but he is a, you know, a pocket passer. You know, Mahomes, I, I don't consider him a running quarterback. I consider him a quarterback that can run. But, I mean, yes, I mean, Mahomes would be the guy that you would use as the answer to why you can be very successful with a very mobile quarterback. But, you know, Burrow, pocket passer, right? Right. I mean, right. You, you look at the Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you look at Aaron Rodgers, you look at Tom Brady. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you look at uh, Matt Stafford. I, I, I've always said this. I've been very consistent with this. I don't want my quarterback to be a running quarterback for a variety of reasons. Number one, they, right. are, they are susceptible to getting hurt. That's number mm -hmm. one. And number two, I want a quarterback. I don't want a running back at the quarterback position. And I, I, I know that the game is changing. I know right. that there are a lot of quarterbacks uh, that do run the football, but they tend to get hurt a lot. And quite frankly, yeah, look at, I, I don't think you could succeed like that. Look at Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts, he didn't do anything. And, nope. and that's what scares me about the 49ers drafting Lance. If they expect him to be like a Murray type or a Hurts, or I mean, if they even – they think he's going to be like a Mahomes, but yeah, you can think, but come on. Well, he's got a long way to go to be Patrick Mahomes. I can tell you that. You're right. You're right. All right, man. Have a great afternoon. Thank you Thanks, very Grant. much. Take care. Thanks. I, I, I want my quarterback to be a quarterback. I don't want him to be a running back. I just don't. And I, I'll take my chances with a pocket passer uh, any day of the week. Ron, you're on with Grant on Listen Up. Hey, Ron. Hey, Grant. It's uh, good connecting with you. If I'm talking too long, just cut me off. And that's probably <laughs> it's all good, buddy. <laughs> so um, I, I'm a longtime listener, and uh, I probably started listening to you about 1990s. It's funny because I'm a big sports guy. In fact, I'm a, a high in Sacramento. I'm a high school athletic director. I've been around sports my whole life. And uh, my friends uh, were basically saying, don't talk to him because, he, you know, he calls people stupid. But I, I actually found it entertaining. And one of the things I, I, I just want to say to you is um, just how much respect um, I have for you. Um, just listening to your past, you know, I'm as a uh, as a high school teacher as well. It's like I'm always trying to encourage of my students, it's like they need to work hard uh, to get somewhere. And I remember um, it's when my one of my sons was, uh, I think, a sophomore about 2017. He was playing football and I'm listening to your story. And I, I've heard this uh, several times because I've, I've literally listened to every single podcast that you've had. Thank and you. I stopped and I stopped listening to 1140 the day you were fired. And it's Thank significant. You. 
and because I had COVID the same day you're fired. So it was uh, uh, quite a day for me. But um, just um, your, your story about, you know, as a young kid and Marv Albert and um, how you, you know, go to Bowling Green and you're working, just working, you know, for hardly anything at all. Yep. And, uh, I, you know, I, I can't remember everything, but I remember, you know, you talking about your, uh, your buddy, George McPhee and helping him work out and driving yep. some kind of car that doesn't have air conditioning or something. And yep. <laughs> um, those are the things I like, I like telling my kiddos at school, you know, working for whatever it was, $5 an hour or something. That's and, what it was. $5 an hour and driving 10 hours to get to the job to do a five minute <laughs> sports cast. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think that, uh, that's the stuff I think that really bothered me when you got fired. Cause I'm thinking of uh, the, the three stooges, the three NBA players, and I won't say their names that sure. came out, called you a, a closet racist, but I was so offended because I'm thinking how much more difficult it is to be one of the 32 announcers in the NBA than to be a gifted athletic person and, and make the NBA. So kudos to you. And another thing, I remember a caller called, you and it was on the podcast or however this works and they uh they said how did your you know your wife and your kids you know feel about this and you you specifically i don't like talking about personal things but i I knew it's like my wife and i have three sons it's like they hurt worse than than i do when i'm going through this stuff and i want to say i think you've been very transparent in regards to how this whole thing is really you have gone through specifics, what have happened to you, you know, you've talked about, you know, I, I, I recall something about being a, a disc jockey and making yep. funeral reports or something <laughs> like that. Plots Flowers on East Wooster Street in 1982. <laughs> I remember the I remember the street and the name of the uh, the flower company. Yes, indeed. The funeral <laughs> report brought to you by Clots Flowers on East Wooster Street in Bowling Green. It, it makes me laugh because I'm I'm old school. I'm about ten years younger than you, but I, I started working as a paper boy when I was eleven. So I think about like people worked hard, and I'm thinking yep. you you just were you were going to do whatever it took, you know, to get there, and you were uh, like excited about doing it. I I, sure. I, I had a son who went to uh, school in Chicago, and he, he he played basketball, but he had had a uh, a friend that was uh, from Decatur, and I was thinking like you had some kind of job there. Yes, making- for three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twelve thousand twelve thousand three hundred dollars was my first full time job in TV in Decatur, <laughs> Illinois at W.A.N.D. You know, I, I think, you know, you talk about, you know, students. I've had this conversation with my brother for many years. He just retired uh, as a math teacher in high school on Long Island. Uh, he taught for, you know, almost 35 years math uh, yeah. at a uh, really a very difficult school district, Freeport High School, 90 percent Hispanic and black. Uh, mm-hmm. were the students. And so my brother and I have had so many conversations about his job because he, like me, I don't really, yeah, I worked hard to get to where I was. But once I became the TV announcer for the Kings and on the radio every day, I never ever thought of it as work. And I always used to respect and admire my brother so much because of the stories that he would tell me, you know, teaching in an environment like that. He told me that, you know, you'd have 30 kids in the class. Mm-hmm. And on the first day, you knew right away that you had 10 of the 30, no problem. They were going to do great. And you wouldn't even have to do that much for them. He said, then you had 
10 kind of in the middle that were on the fence that you'd really have to work hard with to get mm -hmm. them into the right perspective. And then he said you had 10 students. And he said every year, he said you knew the 10 students that no matter what you did, it would, it would be near impossible. They didn't care. They didn't want to learn. They didn't have a family nucleus at home. They, in many instances, didn't have a mom or dad. Uh, and if they did, they didn't care. They were constantly getting in trouble. And I remember talking to my brother about these types of stories every year. And I used to say to myself, man, I, I don't even work for a living. My brother is the one that's working. My brother is really the one that's making a difference in the world. I'm announcing sports. And I've always looked at my job that way. Well, I remember uh, some podcast, and maybe you did around Thanksgiving or something, but it was you, you would say something or this is what I'm thankful for. And, and I realized that. I, 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 I think that you're in a position and you, and you got it. It's like you were thankful for doing that. And, yes. you know, I, I can... I completely admire that. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. And this, like I said, if I'm going too long. No, you can ask uh, me anything you want. I enjoy the conversation. So, so Grant, um, our, your question going back to Doug and I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of, of Doug uh, on the radio station. In fact, I, I loved him as a player because defensive, I, I actually had a, a jersey from him, but I, I didn't like, I, th I thought he was distracting. I thought he laughed a lot, but that, that's my personal opinion. But were you shocked um, when he did not get your back? I was absolutely floored. Uh, I was beyond shocked. Um, Doug and I had numerous conversations between Sunday, May 31st and June 2nd when I was fired, both, uh, on the phone and via text message. And he had uh, told me on several occasions during that 48 hour span, Napes, what can I do for you? You know, I've got your back. You know that this is bullshit. I mean, really, these are the conversations we had. And I said, well, you can speak up for me. That's what you can do. Um, and he said, Napes, you know, I got your back. He go, and I said, I, I sent him a, uh, a text message uh, that said, you know, I quoted Martin Luther King. In the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. I sent him that on Tuesday morning. And he said, Napes, if, if I was being silent, I wouldn't be calling you five times a day and asking how you and your wife are. You know, I wouldn't be texting you about what can I do for you. And I said, Doug, you, you, I already told you what you can do for me. You know, you can speak up and do what's right. And I, the, the most disappointing part, and I've been very transparent about this, I truly consider Doug one of my best friends. Doug and I went out to dinner almost every single night on the road. We played golf all the time uh, in Sacramento and sometimes on the road, but not as much on the road. But we were always together. We were always playing golf. I mentored him. Uh, I helped him, I thought, become a very good analyst on TV. I spent a lot of time with him, talking to him at dinner uh, about, you know, don't do this, do this. I tried to give him advice uh, on the radio when we had very delicate uh, I remember the Stefan Clark shooting in Sacramento, and I remember coming into work that day at 3 o'clock, and I said, Doug, I said, I'm going to tell you right now, I am not going to address the social and political aspect of this. I will address what it was like being in the arena when the protests were going outside and they weren't letting fans in. I said, but I am not going to address this. I said, if you want to, though, I'm going to give you an open forum because you're half of this show and I want you to be able to speak freely. So if it's something that's important to you, I want you to go ahead and do it. But then I was very honest with him. I'm telling you, it's very difficult as a sports show and as a sports caster to get into these situations without upsetting and offending a whole bunch of people. And I've always felt that way. I've always tried to stay away on my radio show from politics, 
uh, religion and sexuality. Like no one even knew what religion I was. It's since come out because it's part of my lawsuit, but I never talked about my religion on the air. I never talked about my political affiliation. I never talked about whether I was a Democrat or a Republican. I never talked about who I voted for. I never bagged on a Republican or a Democrat. I never ever went into someone's sexuality because it didn't matter to me. I mean, I always, that's the way I've lived my life both privately and on the air. And so I was always trying to give Doug advice, but I mean, Doug and I were actually playing golf the day that uh, I made that tweet on May 31st. We had just played golf, you know, that morning up at Winchester uh, with our good buddy who's an umpire. I mean, again, I consider Doug one of my best friends and he completely uh, he completely folded up like a snail in a shell. And so, and, and so you know, it's it, he has to do what's right for him. Yeah. Yeah. But but it was. Yes, it was unfortunate. And I'll tell you something else, and because you, you know, I'm being very, I've been very honest on this. When you go yeah. through a situation that I went through, and I've talked to a lot of other people, you really learn in life who your real friends are, and you really know that there are people that you weren't sure are your friends. And through this situation, I realized that they are unbelievably loyal, like to to a point where it's blown me away. And then there are other people where I thought were really close and were very loyal. And it turned out that they weren't. So, you know, the one thing I have learned in the past year and a half, I truly know who my friends are in life now. So I wasn't as surprised. And I don't know if you remember this incident, but I had to I had to look it up. It's stuck in my it's stuck in my brain. But back in the summer 2019, uh, the White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson had hit this home run off of uh, this pitcher from the Royals. OK, and. Um, you and Doug were discussing this. So what happens is, is this, this pitcher hits, uh, hits Anderson and then Anderson, who's African-American, um, he calls him a weak ass F and N word. Right. And I remember you specifically asked Doug, like, isn't this, this is wrong, isn't it? Like, how is it that he could say this? And I, I think maybe he got a day suspension or something, or at least the, right least the pitcher did for this and he would not respond at all and i remember that um thinking in my mind it's like doug is not responding and this is just my perception because if he responds to this then he's going to be a pariah or something among you know whatever his own people or something like that so when this did happen to you for some reason i i thought of this incident i thought that he's just not going to respond because it's going to hurt him more than he thinks it's going to hurt Grant. So right. I, I was, I, I was, I was really, I, I was really bothered. Well, by I, that. you know, I appreciate that. You know, you know, yesterday was MLK day, right? And yeah. one of his most famous sayings is, you know, our life begins to end the, the day we remain silent about things that matter. And I've never lived my life that way. I, I don't remain silent about things that matter. When I see an injustice, I speak up. When I feel strongly about something, I speak up. When I see racism, I speak up. When I see hate, I speak up. And unfortunately, there are people that don't. And that's how I live my life. Hey, I don't have any problem going to sleep at night. I never have. Um, I I know what my life's all about. I know how I was raised. I know what I believe in. Uh, I know the amount of work I've put in to help minorities in Sacramento with my foundation. You know, I don't want to sound this to be self-serving, but I'm trying to be as transparent as I can. I don't, I don't regret anything that I did. Uh, I, I'm still bewildered that there are some, not many, but there are some 
that don't believe all lives matter, every single one. I don't quite frankly understand how any human being can look at all lives matter, every single one, those six words, and come up with anything that is remotely racist. I, I don't understand that. I, what kind of world are we living in? No, I, I don't get that either. And then Grant, one more point. I hope I'm not talking too long. Um, you you hit on LeBron, you know, quite a bit. And 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 I will tell you. And I'm I'm in, you know I'm in my I'm, I'm in my fifties. A lot of my a lot of my friends. And like like I said, I'm a AD as well. I, we're, we're I'm so turned off by what we hear. And he definitely has caused some issues. But um, I I don't. I don't think he's an intentionally doing this. I think he's, uh, I, I'm going to use the word ignorant. And I don't know if you've ever saw this, but back in August, 2020, he's being interviewed and he's, he's got this book, Malcolm X. And the interview is asking interviewers asking about this book and mm -hmm. he, and I, and I've been teaching over 20 years. He is responding like, like one of my students that has never read the book before. And it's it's so pathetic because he, he has not read the book and he's, yeah, nothing's changed in 40 years, blah, blah, blah. But the, I, I think the thing that bothers, I, not bothers me, but really shows like who he is, is he, he's, he obviously has not read the book, but he's not. Um, he's, he's ignorant in the fact that he could, he could present this in such a way that he thinks people would believe that he read the book. And so I don't, when he does these, when he does these tweets, which I think are, are very damaging, like you allude to quite a bit. Um, I, I, just, I really think that he, he, he is a, he's a kid. He's probably not well-educated in high school. He probably had to do very little and he does not know or understand the repercussions uh, of his tweets. You know, he's, well, he's, I, I think he's yeah. very hypocritical. I think his tweets have been very damaging. Uh, I made a comment and I have made this comment repeatedly that he has brought a lot of people to the NBA uh, because of his stardom on the court. Yeah. But I also believe that he's pushed a lot of fans away from the NBA as a player. I have the utmost respect for him. It's been an honor and a privilege to watch him play to announce, uh, you know, his games yeah. uh, throughout his career. I was blessed to announce his first ever NBA game in Sacramento but I don't have any respect for him off the court. I think he's very dangerous and callous with his tweets. I think it's very unfortunate. And I think he's really tarnished his legacy. Do you, do you think that he, I mean, he has people around him that would, that would tell him like, not, this is no, not, I don't, that doesn't happen. I think he does it okay. on his own and I don't think he cares. He doesn't care. He's LeBron James. I mean, the league doesn't do anything. I mean, when he put that unbelievably awful tweet out towards the Columbus police officer that had yeah. shot the uh, young lady who was getting ready to stab another lady, um, you know, the NBA, and, and he said, you're next to the police officer and subsequently deleted the tweet after. But, you know, you didn't hear the NBA come out with a statement. You know, they didn't stick up for uh, the Columbus police department in an act of really a, a heroic act. It, yep. Many people called it by the police officer, an instantaneous decision. You know, it's interesting. I have a lot of friends in law enforcement, so I've talked to them about these types of situations. And they say, you know, people don't understand that, you know, in many instances, you have a split second to make a life and death decision. And he said, you know, and, and we know this, the police don't always make the right decision. And we we know we, we've seen it. I mean, you know, Derek Chauvin, I mean, you know. Yeah. I don't know anyone that is defending Derek Chauvin. I mean, what he did no, is no. he committed murder on George Floyd. But there are a lot of instances where there is a, uh, a a police shooting. You know, in this case in Columbus, Ohio, think about that. The police officer comes on the scene. The 16-year-old has her arm cocked with the knife and is getting ready to stab another person 
and the police officer takes action. I, I, again, I'm not, I've never been in law enforcement, but I'm just trying to use common sense here. How could yeah. anybody possibly fault the police officer for trying to save an innocent person's life? You know, and yet for LeBron to put out that type of a tweet is irresponsible and it's damaging. He has over 51 million followers on Twitter. I mean, and, and, and it's just, it's appalling to me. It's appalling to me. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I agree with that. I'm just using type. I think the guy is extremely ignorant, you know, but you're right. I mean, he's, I, I'm picturing that in my head as you're explaining it. So I've seen that video multiple times. So, you know. Hey, thanks for the call. I really appreciate that. Yeah, Grant. I thank you for your time. You have a great evening. Hey, you too. Call again. Really enjoyed that conversation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, again, I'm I'm not sitting here absolving all of the incidents involving police in this country. We all know there are some bad cops. We've seen it on video. We know there's a real problem in this country. You know, I've been very honest about this. Most of my friends down here are people of color. I've had all of these conversations with my friends down here. And they've shared with me some of the stories that they've had with law enforcement. And it's not pretty. And I don't deal with that. You know, in, I, I, I never had to have my father, you know, tell me, you know, what to do if I get pulled over by a police officer. I never had that conversation. And yet all of my friends down here that are of color, and I say that because, again, I've been very open about this. Some don't want to be called black. Some don't want to be referred to as African-American. Um, we have a large Caribbean uh, population down here. And, you know, again, I've, I've had this conversation with many people about how they want to be referred to. So I say people of color. And I've heard all their stories, and we 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 have a problem. Do I think it's a rampant problem? No, I don't, but it's a problem, and it needs to be talked about. And if you don't want to talk about it, or if you don't think it's a problem, then you're being naive. Again, we're talking about a we're, – we're not talking about all law enforcement officers being bad, just, just on the contrary. But, you know, all of my friends down here and all the people across the country, they're not making up stories. They're not, they're not making it up. So, you know, I know we got off the track there a little bit, but I really appreciate Ron's call. I just think that you, 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 in this, I, I guess when you have a following like LeBron, you have responsibility in my opinion. And the responsibility is enormous. 
and I think he has really gone overboard. I think he's been irresponsible with his platform. And I think he's turned a lot of people off to the, I don't think I know, because I've talked to a lot of people that don't watch the NBA anymore. And they talk about LeBron and some of the other things that have gone on with other uh, athletes and other sports as well. So, you know, I know a lot of people are disturbed. I am. I don't have any problem saying that. I hate the social messaging by the NFL. I'm bothered by it. I'm not bothered to a point where I have not watched the games, but it bothers me. I think it's wrong. I think it's absolutely wrong. Again, I've used some examples today, right? Inspire change. You know, uh, end racism as if we're all racist. I mean, stop it already with these messages. You know, in the NFL, you know, it takes all of us. Yeah, no kidding. That was the point of my tweet on May 31st. All lives matter, every single one. It takes all of us. Yeah, I don't know why that is so hard to understand. I really don't. I don't understand why that is so difficult to understand. It's really unfortunate. All right, let's get back to uh, some more phone calls and chime in with Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, Grant, um, on that subject, let me tell you what Martin Luther King said. King was, this is about Google, and I, you know, I don't want to get on to this tangent, but King was critical of Black Power Movement, and he stated in August of 1967 speech to the SCLC, let us be dissatisfied until the day nobody will shout white power and when nobody will shout black power. And that's, to me, that equals what you said, all lives matter. You tie that quote into that paragraph Martin Luther King is saying, it's the same thing. Yes, it is. Uh, and I appreciate you uh, chiming in. You know, I was fired by a company that's owned by the Church of Latter-day Saints in Salt Lake City. And I was fired by a company that doesn't have one minority on their board. You can look it up. Google it. Just go to Bonneville International Leadership. Google Bonneville International Leadership. Just Google it right now. Bonneville International Leadership. Or Google it when I'm off the show. And scroll down and look at the the people that run their company. Every single person is either a white male or a white female. Every single one. And I was fired because they needed to show everyone that they support Black Lives Matter and I was the sacrificial lamb. We're going to fire Grant and make an example so that we look good in our Salt Lake City offices with our entire white staff on our board. It's right there. Just Google it. Bonneville International Leadership. It's right there. And look at all the photos. And you let me know if you see a minority in that company on their website. Again, it's a, it's a disgrace is what it is. It's an absolute disgrace. There's nothing else I can say. It's disgraceful. All right, hey, if you want to get in on the show today, all you got to do is raise your hand, and I'll put you right on. All right? Let's get along to some more phone calls, and it's Alfred. Hey, Al, how are you today? Good, Nate. How are you doing? Good. What's happening? 
You know, I did look up that company and I was laughing at myself. You know what? I wonder what are like the what is the demographic makeup of the Mormon Church? I mean, how many African Americans parishioners do they have? I, I, I don't know. The, the, I, I don't. I, I don't know that the, number. I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. I'm not going after the Mormon Church. I'm going after Bonneville International. They right. are owned by the Church of Latter Day Saints. But I'm not making this into you know, me against the Mormon, uh, you know, I don't. No, no, I know. I, I was just wondering, like, you know, speaking to, you know, the, the rich white board that, uh, directors for the company. But just to get to my my uh, call, really happy to see Matthew Stafford, you know, more or less get the monkey off his back so far as far as his first playoff win. Uh, he played well, but, you know, the defense and special team stepped up and played well. So, you know, it's a team game. It's not just yep. you know, the quarterback. and you know, he he was efficient. I mean, you know, they got Akers back, which is a huge loss before the season started. Huge. And and he's a he's a force deep. I mean, I don't know. I don't yep. follow college. I don't know if you knew him coming out. You follow college, but he he's got speed and power. He can he can bring it both ways. Well, he was severely missed, and the fact that he is even uh, back from an Achilles is absolutely mind-boggling. I mean, it really is. No one, no one thought uh, that he would be back. Uh, you got to give him a lot of credit. But, you know, it just gives them depth in the backfield. Now, okay, everyone expected them to win, and they did. Now let's see what happens. Let's see what happens in Tampa Bay this weekend. All right. Now he's going up against a guy that uh, he got his first win, and and uh, Brady's going for his 37th. So <laughs> yeah. it's going to be, huh? be, be a low. Oh, God. It's going to be a challenge, but, you know, I'm, I just, you know, and I don't just say this as a Rams fan, but, you know, when Steve Young finally got his championship, you know, you've spoken to this. It's nice to see nice guys yep. like coaches like Andy Reid, and I was kind of happy when Dirk Nowitzki got his first championship, and I never would have thought I'd be happy for any team from Dallas in any level, but I was really happy for Dirk when when they finally got it, you know. Yep, I was too. And, you know, again, we're everyone expected the Rams to win yesterday, yeah. and they did. Now let's see. Now they're going on the road sure. to take on the defending Super Bowl champs. And let's see what we're right. let's see what we're talking about next Monday. Right. Oh, exactly. I, I totally agree. And as to just to, to speak to the Cowboys, I mean, come on, you know, Dak is just disgraceful that he's condoning the 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 you know the what was a dangerous situation. And really, you spoke to this. I mean, look in the mirror, man. I really felt watching that game, it was 23 to 7 Niners. And you know, I'm a Rams fan. I'm watching with my nephew, who's a Niner fan. I'm saying, you know, this game should be like at least 30, 34 to 7. They were just dominating them. They, they were running the ball. They were running the ball down their throats, you know, and Garoppolo was precision passes. But then Garoppolo let loose with that one bad that throw. That was terrible. And, and that's kind of where you, as a Niner fan, I think, and I know you, and I agree with your statements on Garoppolo, by the way, he's, he's definitely underappreciated, but he does, he can, if on occasion, just let loose with that, oh yep. my God, 
you know, Stafford does and the he, same. He also thing. made a bad mistake on the uh, quarterback sneak. He did not allow Trent Williams to get set for a count. And that's on the quarterback. You know, the quarterback's got to be aware of that. And, you know, that that would have prevented Dallas from even having the ball. If he had waited a half second more on that quarterback sneak, uh, we would have never had the final sequence by the Cowboys. So that was a mistake on his part, too. No question about that's, it. You know, you know, my brother was talking about that. He's a, he's a dire niner. He said, you know, why was uh, – he even resetting Williams. I mean, it was a six Terrible. inches for the first Terrible. down. I, I mean, know. why was he even trying to reset? My brother was going on about the exactly what you just said, but why was he even trying to reset him when he has six inches? Yep. And you know, yep. Garoppolo's got this phenomenal yep. career record for, for going for it. I mean, for quarterback sneaks, but you know, the Niners are going to give Green Bay everything they can handle. You know, they're going to have a, well, they, they got to have Nick Bosa on the field, and they got to have a healthy yeah. Fred Warner. Because if they don't, they're not going to beat Green Bay. Nick Bosa absolutely has to be on the field. You know, he's in concussion protocol, uh, and you know Warner's got to be uh, healthy too with the ankle. So we'll see. Hey, uh, Al, it's always good talking to you. You have a good right. rest of the day. Thank you for Thank taking you. my call. It's my pleasure. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you very much. Hey, if you want to be next, all you need to do uh, is raise your hand. Hey, while I have a moment, I talked about Super Draft yesterday, and I want to thank those that reached out. I have uh, left you all messages uh, for those of you that wanted more information on Super Draft, and we really got the ball rolling now. A couple of people signed up today. I'm really ecstatic about that. I had some conversations with some of you, and all you need to do is look at grant.winthistime.com. Grant.winthistime.com. All you got to do is look at the video. You're under no obligation and uh, we'll have some fun. Even if you sign up and want to be on my team and create your own team, hey, you know what? If two or three months down the road you don't like it, no, you can stop anytime you want. So uh, check it out. The video is very interesting. Grant.winthistime.com. Hey, if you want to get in on the show today, uh, before we wrap it up, uh, hit your hand icon, raise your hand, uh, and we will do it. Uh, NBA tonight, only uh, two games uh, on the schedule, one has the uh, Warriors and the Pistons. The Kings are at home tomorrow against the Pistons, and then they hit the road. I got to tell you, if the Kings, who lost to the uh, worst team in the Western Conference, the Houston Rockets, on Sunday, if they lose to the Pistons tomorrow night, okay, the Pistons are 10-32. and 32. If the Kings lose to the Pistons tomorrow, when the Pistons are on a back-to-back, that may go down as the worst loss of the season. Could happen, because you never know who is showing up for the Sacramento Kings night to night, right? You never know. You just never know. So uh, as the week progresses, we'll talk a lot more about the NFL playoffs, as we're down to four teams in each conference, uh, we've got the NBA and anything else that's going on in the world of sports. Uh, we will deal with it 
uh, right here. Really good calls today. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, I can't thank you enough. Spread the word. Uh, tell your buddies about me coming on weekdays at 3 o'clock right here on Listen App. Uh, my podcast on Friday, I got a very interesting guest, a guy that I worked with back in the late 90s in Bristol, Connecticut at the ESPN headquarters when I was uh, hosting game night on ESPN radio. And I met him then, Bob Valvano, Jim Valvano's brother. Uh, Bob himself has just overcome a bout of cancer, and fortunately he's in remission. He's a great guy. Love him. Just a, a, a quality, quality man. And uh, he is somebody that I, I've been grateful to know for so long. Again, I met him in 98, 99, when I was working at ESPN Radio during the NBA lockout. That was some time in my life. I was off the air at 7 o'clock on Friday, would go home, eat, pack a bag, go to the airport for a red eye from Sacramento through Dallas, at Dallas, through Chicago on United, and then hook up Chicago to Hartford, Connecticut, would land in Hartford, Connecticut, would go to the National Rental Car, hop in a rental car, drive 20 minutes to the hotel in Bristol, the Ramada Inn across the street. It's either the Ramada or the Radisson. I think it was the Ramada. Sleep for four hours, get up, walk across the street to ESPN, and then spend all day getting ready for the show. And then I would host Saturday night game night from 7 in the evening until 1 in the morning with Tony Bruno or Jody Ambrosio or Bob Valvano or Chuck Wilson. Then on Sunday, we would be there at 1 in the afternoon to watch all the football games. And then I would host game night again from 7 in the evening until 1 in the morning, go back to the hotel, get up at about 5, drive back to the airport, to catch a 7:20 flight nonstop to San Francisco, then get on a commuter flight from San Francisco to Sacramento, drive home, shower, have some lunch, get in the car, and drive down to the radio station and do my show. And I was doing that three weekends a month. I did that in September, October, November, December, and January. And then the lockout ended. And on February 5th, the 50-game season began. And as soon as the season ended, they called me and they wanted me to work again. And that didn't go over well with uh, my wife at the time. We had had a uh, – we had just had our second child. And I get it, you know, being away that much. And then they actually offered me a full-time job at ESPN Radio when I turned it down because I had no guarantee of doing play-by-play. -play. And it was the right decision to make. But that was a lot of fun back then. So Bob Valvano is going to be on with me uh, Friday if you don't like that. Hey, make it a fabulous rest of the day. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you next time right here on Listen Up. Grant Napier saying so long, everybody.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.